Welcome to the CA Gender Podcast, brought to you by ICAS. Joining us on this episode is the Chief Information Officer for PwC Canada, Craig Bryce. Craig started his career in Scotland where he qualified as a CA before specialising in information technology. He spent the last 30 years with PwC in the UK, US and most recently Canada, where he has spent the last five years moving significant key processes into the cloud with a focus on security and support for the mobile workforce. He is responsible for providing a robust, innovative and secure information technology infrastructure, whilst also delivering the strategic vision for the internal technology team. Craig served on the ICAS exam board representing information systems for several years before he left the UK to move to the US. He has been involved in large organisational technology change across different cultures and multiple territories, and is also the member of the British Computer Society, now known as BCS, and the Chartered Institute of IT. So welcome, Craig, to the podcast. Absolutely delighted to have you here today. I guess we'll start off with the early part of your career journey. So what, what first attracted you to the CA qualification? Okay, first of all, thank you very much for having me on this podcast. I have been listening to the podcast series, and if you wanted to have been invited to join everyone else you've featured so far, including yourself. Uh, You've had some amazing guests with some great stories, so I'm just glad I get to talk about technology. Um, While I've had the pleasure with working with PwC for many years, I'm looking forward to sharing my personal views of technology with you today. So what attracted me to the CA qualification? It's back when I was around 13 years old, and I was looking at my career options, and I was looking at the best career start in business. That's what attracted me. So I was just a kid growing up in Scotland, and I attended that school career night where I met a CA who'd been in Brussels the day before and I don't know if I was impressed by the travel or the solid business background that he had but I guess that was a point where I decided to become a CA. I went on to qualify in a medium-sized company where I really did mostly audit and tax work and I'd taken a computing course in my final year of what was my accounting degree at Aberdeen University and I was attracted to technology in the office. So I joined Price Waterhouse at the time in the UK, and it was about putting a PC on everybody's desk, a desktop on everybody's desk for every tax professional in, in PUC UK. And it was the first time all the staff and partners would have a computer to themselves. And this was a long time before laptops came to, to exist. When Price Waterhouse merged with Coopers and Librand, uh, I moved. At the time, I was in Manchester, England, and I moved to Washington, D.C. to help with their tax technology team, trying to work out how we could do things together between the U.K. and the U.S. So I was working in Washington, D.C. for a while, and then in Tampa, Florida, um, with PwC in the U.S. I held a number of positions, including a technology governance roles. And in 2016, I moved to Canada to become the Chief Information Officer for PwC Canada. Craig, you've had an absolutely fascinating career journey and really interesting to see that you you had that desire and spark to, to study for the qualification and get into the world of business and finance from such an early age. I think it's, it seems to be a common thread with a number of CAs that I've been speaking to. And really great to see that you were inspired by the ability to travel and then able to travel yourself in the North American region there. I guess looking coming to sort of present day and, and, and your role now, and in the context of COVID-19 and the pandemic, 
What have been some of the biggest challenges that you've faced as a result of COVID-19? And how has PwC Canada altered its processes in response to it? Obviously, our first priority was making sure that our people were safe. And then it was making sure that they had everything they needed to continue to deliver for our clients. So some of our global colleagues had actually were ahead of Canada and experiencing the effects of the pandemic. So their learnings and approaches were very informative and helped us to better prepare. So our, our technology team had been closely monitoring the impending situation for weeks prior to you know, the mandated closures we had in Canada. So in March 20 of 2020, we activated our business continuity plan, which had already started around mid-January. So due to the quick turn of events, we uh, executed an action plan to have laptops and other technology necessities delivered to the homes of our partners and staff. So the technology team, we worked with many parts, other parts of the organization, and I think we minimized the challenges that people had from a technology perspective. We've been investing in a world-class infrastructure, keeping up to date with the latest cyber threats and adapting well to the new world order. But we definitely had challenges. But to our user base, I'm hoping that technology was the least of their worries when they headed home for the lockdown. Many of them had children at home and, and many other stories. So it, does, it feels a little bit surreal to me, but I was actually on a Caribbean cruise in early March 2020. But as the cruise ended, it was becoming apparent something big was happening. Uh, and shortly afterwards, the pandemic was announced. For PwC Canada, we made a number of changes, I'll say under the hood, so that our users did not have to worry. It was a combination of leveraging the, the longer term strategic bets we had made and some changes we made in the week before lockdown started. So, so just to go through some of them, and we've been investing in cloud-based technology for a number of years. So Google was part of our suite, and we already had it in use. So we were able to have high-quality video calls from day one. We had updated our, our network. Um, I'm not sure how much you want to get into anagrams from MPLS or the multi-protocol label switching, which is a private internal network, to something called SD-WAN, or Software Defined Wide Data Network. And that provides us much more flexibility and scalability. And I think this was an important part of our, our jigsaw puzzle. Another part was our uh, having a, an excellent network VPN. So the, the virtual private network made a great solution. But we didn't actually have the capacity for everybody to be working from home. And so this was one of the just-in-time fixes that we made. And so it was after I came back from the cruise and before lockdown, we made some adjustments to increase capacity. We were lucky because we actually had some hardware that was we were able to, to use that we had on hand. And I think many other companies I've spoken to didn't have that luxury, and that was a challenge. And then the last tweak I just wanted to mention was um, the supply of our laptops. Uh, before the lockdown, if you've got a new laptop or wanted to hand in a laptop, you came to the office, you went to our walk-up area, we handled it all in the office. We were about to pilot in late March of 2020 um, something we were calling ship to customer. And we're going to try it with a couple of people. And that would allow our user base to get the laptop sent to their home, be connected to their home Wi-Fi, download some extras, and then they're up and running. So we had to make some quick changes in the background. And a pilot that we'd planned became an immediate new process, new way of working. So the first Monday after lockdown, we had a batch of new joiners. And they received their laptops by courier over the weekend and were ready to work on Monday morning. So that was really an acceleration of change already underway, which I think is a common theme we've, we've seen during the pandemic. So to summarize all that, 
from my perspective, the best thing that happened was that everyone went home for lockdown and everything worked. Normally in my role, I always hear about things that don't work. The technology is not working. But I think this was the first time our senior leaders unanimously provided feedback when everything just worked and nothing bad happened. Thank you for, for sharing those insights there, Craig. I guess it re- reminds me there in terms of your last point, the age old saying in IT, if, if you get no feedback, it's, it's it's good feedback. And what I'm hearing there in terms of the, the journey that PwC Canada went through is the fact that you had already in, invested in your digital and, and technological infrastructure there and were able to scale that up. However, there were those last minute challenges around capacity and, and, and logistics, which uh, you know, if we if we go back to pre-March 2020, I don't think many organizations were looking at um, their digital capacity in terms of having all of their staff online at the same time. Um, with that with that being said, and, and in terms of um, your working day-to-day practices, um, has, the, has the pandemic had a warming effect in relation to the speed at which you're adopting digital transformation? And has it transformed now day-to-day life at PwC? Um, I, I do think PwC was already progressive and we had many digital initiatives already underway, but absolutely things have warmed up or speeded up for sure. You know, years ago, there was an anticipation that the, the world would demand us to get more digital. Um, and and we, we also thought if you wanted to win, dare I say, you know, the war for talent, we needed to be more digital. So that was a bit of a driver. But I think the... the um, the COVID-19 pandemic has stress-tested our digitization. And thankfully, I think the investments we made today seem to have paid off. Um, one, one example where we've been uh, progressive is the average age at PwC is probably somewhere between 26 and 27 years old. So we have many technology-aware staff who have grown up in the age of mobile and social media. So we've been investing in mobile apps um, and, and, and spending a lot of money on that. But Interestingly, under the pandemic, that became a lot less relevant quite quickly because no one was traveling anymore. And so the mobile experience was was an investment that is still a good one, but was not as relevant in the pandemic. As, as a side note, the lack of travel itself has been good and interesting as we have a net zero emission goal by 2030. And travel is one of the biggest sources of, the, of our greenhouse gas emissions. So it'd be interesting to see how we adapt when, when the, um, the lockdowns lift. Anyway, I think the pandemic has opened up many of our people to different ways of working and, from my perspective, different ways of using technology. Through surveys, 60% of our workforce has told us that they became more skilled in the use of technology since working remotely. In some ways, it's forced some people along the digital journey. And inside PwC, we're saying, you know, we've all come to the realization that work has changed forever. And, and you, you talk about you know, the warming effect this has had or the push that it's had. There's a few, a few examples. We, we tracked an explosion in video calls. Not really a big surprise. I think we saw an immediate fourfold increase. We saw the percentage of meetings with everyone switching on the camera take off. Um, we've seen a significant use of the collaboration tools. They were always there, but they weren't always used. With things like online jam boards have replaced um, meeting room whiteboards another dynamic and we we also had a situation where some of our our client service teams facilitate meetings with clients clients used to come into the office and in, in good numbers we'd facilitate meetings so we immediately had to find a tool 
it would allow them to support these meetings digitally. And that was, again, something that you know, we had probably got planned for the future, but we had to make an instant switch. And, and so there's been many examples of these changes that have taken place in, in our day-to-day life. And, and I would say that a number of them, if not many of them, would have taken years without the pandemic. And thanks for your insights there, Craig. I completely agree. I think it, the pandemic has sped up the rate of change for, for many sectors and, and industries. And even the really interesting nuance that, that, that you mentioned there in terms of the, I guess, decrease in focus on, on mobile apps and mobile development, given the fact that people were working from home, so there was less travel, which you know may be a short, short to medium term term effect. Um, I guess the, the interesting uh, perspective you mentioned there in terms of the way you work with clients, but was you also seeing similar trends in terms of the your clients that you're working with and the fact that they had to adopt um, digital practices? And do you think they were in the same position that, that you, you yourselves were in at PwC Canada? Some of our clients were did not have the same setup to begin with and took a little bit longer. Some of them were, were in good shape and some of them um, had to adapt quickly and did not have the capacity. But it's interesting, I would say over the last you know year it's uh, nearly all of our clients now have that digital capability the collaboration capability in place and that's I've definitely seen this if you talk about the you know impacts of the pandemic that's been a huge impact and, and I'm not sure um, how we will work with clients in the future whether it will be more and more online collaboration uh, versus fly and travel which is which is largely what we would have done historically but there's definitely been uh, a change in our clients and I just think in in general in, in the whole country here with with everyone adapting these new tool sets. And, and no doubt you would have probably taken a much more of a collaborative approach of working with clients who, who needed that support in, in, in that space. Yes, um, we were we were doing our best to help our clients. We were hosting meetings for clients. We were um, working with, with the different local vendors and, and trying to help the, the, the clients of ours get up to speed, get get the digitization um, moving. And a number of them were already in, in great shape, but, but there were certainly some that, that were overwhelmed by the, the number of people who had to go and work from home at such a short period of notice. And I think it's, it's good now that people have had time and it's now settled in where I think every organization is, is in a good place. But, you know, it was, it was interesting more back in, in March 2020, there was talk in Canada about flattening the curve and going home, work from home for a couple of weeks to flatten the curve and, and then we'll come back to work. And I think it was when that became a realization that that was not really two weeks or, or four weeks or six weeks that we that we saw a lot of the companies taking it on board and, and we started to get involved with trying, doing our best to help wherever we could. And, and and looking at that sort of long, that medium to long term view, there have, are there any challenges that you've seen with the sort of transition to digital ways of working? I know there's lots of talk and chatter around sort of Zoom fatigue or video conference fatigue. Is it something that, that you've experienced yourself? I I think that's a a fair um, fair thing to say. I think Zoom fatigue, as it's, as it's been called, or just being having the cameras on, there's there's certainly been. A lot of that, I felt it myself in speaking to my team. There's definitely been some some fatigue being on cameras all day. Um, you can have an eight or ten hour day and you're on camera all the time. It's it's pretty intense um, to just to have the camera on and, and and be and be working and 
And I think it's good. It gives a better um, experience than maybe a phone call. It's not as good an experience, obviously, as it used to be in person, where you could be a little bit more relaxed. But I think um, we've probably seen more of that come around from, I think, where we used to see, we talk more about the water cooler. I don't know if I may have become more North American, but I'm not quite sure if that's still a good phrase. But the casual the casual meetings that we used to have um, in the office, that it's really hard to get right now. So people are scheduling time, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, and that's just filling up calendars. Whereas previously, you would just wander past people in the office and have a good conversation or, or, or hold on, do you have a minute? Can I ask you this question? And now that's becoming a scheduled time and the calendars seem to be filling up more than you ever did before. I, I, I think that analogy runs true um, across the world. Uh, those water cooler chats, you know, whether they're informal chats or being able to just catch up briefly on what you're doing for the day um, really makes a big difference. And it's hard to hard to replicate in a digital environment. But I guess the positive of this is that, you know, we as a global community across business, finance, and many other sectors have ripped up, say, the, the traditional way of working or approach. And we, we can go back to the whiteboard to redefine what that looks like to have a healthy, healthy way of working both remotely, in person and digitally as well. So I think there's a big positive there um, going forward. Focusing a little bit more around the technology side of things, um, and in terms of PwC calendar, what approach are you taking to digital development? Have you adopted an agile method? Or do you take a different approach? Okay, for for digital development, we, we have adopted an agile approach, and I'll say an agile approach and an agile methodology. We do continue to have a number of legacy applications, maybe the non-digital ones, but even some of the early digital ones, where agile might not always be the right approach. So um, we, we do where we can. Um, I'd like to differentiate between an agile approach, and I think that that's one that really breaks down barriers and moves past roadblocks, versus maybe an agile methodology, which is more like a software development type of methodology. We have both. And in PC Canada, I'm proud to sponsor our internal community um, of interest, which we call our Agile Enablement Team. And they're continually equipping our team, educating our team, and enhancing PwC's um, Agile capabilities. And it's organized through our project management office. We, we offer many services there, including training for, for our on internal staff and for some of our consultants. We're, we're promoting a, a good growth mindset. We've got one-on-one -on -one leadership counseling, agile tool support, and then lean uh, process improvement. For the development side, we have uh, an agile development methodology and mentality, and that looks to map the development all the way to the deployment. So we're not in the same league as Amazon. They're making, I don't know how many changes every minute. But we, we have a number of discrete applications and, and we're moving to have what we call a CI-CD pipeline, which is continuous integration, continuous delivery. And that's something that we're, we're aspiring to more and more. And that allows these changes that we'll make to quickly get through to production with all the appropriate testing in place. So it's not surprising a company like ours, we can be risk averse at times. And so it's taking our user base and time to get used to the fast pace of agile development and the thought of even continuous deployment. So but still, I would say, work in progress. But we, we do need to remember security in all of this. And so we need to make that integral part of our process. 
So even as we get into this agile methodology, we've been working on something we call DevOps, which is development and operations together. And, and we're already thinking about the new world of DevSecOps, which is development, security, and operations all built into one and all part of an ongoing evolution for, for our applications and for our infrastructure. And on the topic of security there, Craig, and being being as close as you are to emerging top, uh, emerging technologies and the products that they can develop, have you seen cyber cybersecurity threats develop at the same pace, and how have you mitigated those those risks? So, I've seen cyber cybersecurity threats develop at the same pace or even faster. There's definitely been some people out there taking advantage of the pandemic, if you like. And the cost of cyber has continued to rise for us. I think I always like to reflect what our um, PwC Global Chairman, Bob Moritz, said, that there are two types of organizations out there. There's those that know they've been breached and those that don't know yet that they've been breached. Um, and and it doesn't come from the inside or the outside. And unfortunately, that's a reality of, of um, the world we live in today. So we are very keen on cybersecurity. We've definitely seen um, more activity, but we, we've developed this four-stage approach to try and mitigate the risks. So the, f the first one is we try to identify the cyber exposure, and that understands that that's about understanding the attack surface, what is exposed to the outside world, and, and we do that. We review logs, we look at our privileged accounts, so who's got admin access to things, and then we do ongoing scanning for security weaknesses to try and make sure we've got a good idea of our cyber exposure. And secondly, we will work on controlling that exposure. We've developed real-time incident response capability, which includes 24 by 7 monitoring. We also have a program to ensure that we have compliance processes for dealing with clients and third-party suppliers. And then the third thing is we look to reduce the, the cyber exposure. We used to allow a number of practices and we're, we're, we're working on, I guess, restricting what people can do. We used to allow people to access their personal emails on work laptops, but we took that away several years ago. That seems to be um, one of the main ways that malware can get into the system. We no longer allow writing to USB keys uh, and that's to try and stop us getting, again, malware and other things coming into the organization and then also some, some attempt at data loss prevention. And then for our network, I mentioned that we had a, an SD-WAN or a software-defined wide area network, but we've also got this, we've standardized that and that has helped us to centralize firewall management, which gives us a better focus as well. So, that, so the last or the fourth thing that we do is we look to increase the cost and time of an attack. So we're hoping that the bad actors out there get bored and leave us alone. That's an approach that we've been taking. So. We have a globally owned and managed team that includes 24-7 threat response, incident response framework, and we do simulations and in insider threat monitoring. And it was in the last month I was involved in, in a simulation um, of, of a potential breach and how we would react and uh, just to make sure we have everything in place and ready should, should the circumstances happen. So when, when I, these are the, the main four things we do. But when I step back and think about our individual staff, the biggest thing is avoiding malware. And so we all get regular phishing test emails trying to trick us to click on the link and get ourselves on a list for remedial training. That's my view. You click on the link, you get a training class. 
these phishing test emails have been successful because we've seen the click-through rate drop significantly. And it was a complete coincidence, but the last um, phishing email I got for, that was sent by the firm trying to, to tempt me to click on the wrong link came yesterday. So it's something that we're doing actively and regularly. Craig, thanks for sharing your 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 thoughts there around cybersecurity and that robust four-stage approach that you have there. And I, I mean, touching on the last piece there around, I guess, acting as a deterrent um, to those bad actors. I think that's always a very, very common uh, approach in the security and defense space. And I think uh, uh, some, something to consider for, for others as well. And then also on, from, a, from an individual point of view, I think we've all seen the increased occurrence of sort of malware attacks or, or or phishing scams as a result of people be, being at home. And I think it, that, that is not something that's going to go away anytime soon. So education there is, is definitely, definitely key. Um, talking about some of these emerging technologies then, um, and specifically looking at automation and AI, which is now becoming you know, commonplace in many aspects of our profession. Um, can you tell us about some of the ways that you're embracing these advancements um, yourself at PwC? Sure. Um, I think we have artificial intelligence AI built into many of the tools that we're implementing. It's really just becoming part of everyday life. A lot of the um, the tools just are, are evolving in that way. So I think that we're embracing AI and we've been able to add these tools to our portfolio. And, and as I think as AI emerges, I think we'll see the most benefit in the accountancy profession once we get to machine learning. And I think that will be able to analyze the transactions more, learn from the changes, look for patterns, highlight items for review. I, I think that's that's still coming. Uh, it's a work in progress, but I think that's going to be very interesting. I have, probably have more, more to say on automation. Um, I think automation is where we've really um, started to embrace the future. Um, in PwC, we've got this citizen-led automation revolution I'd like to talk about in a few minutes. But I did want to first of all start about, we've, we've broken it down between citizens and citizen-led and business-led. So the business-led automations um, within Canada, I set up a, an automation COE or center of excellence so we could centralize the standards, the approach, and the support for automations. And this has allowed us to build enterprise-level automations that include integrations into our core systems, like human resources, finance, and marketing. Our tax practice has also embraced automation and it's in the middle of a, a major transformation and automation is front and center. So we, we've aligned our technology across PwC globally, but we've implemented the solutions locally. And, and for automation from a business-led perspective, I see tax bots, billing bots, recruitment bots, and, and bots in many places. But I did want to come back to the, the citizen-led automations. We've embarked at PwC on this upskilling journey, um, digitize, digitization, training people. And, and this has been started on, our in, on the inside of PwC, but they're also looking to push this externally with a new world, new skills uh, brand. But as part of the internal transformation, we provide training for all staff and partners in a number of tools that allow, that allow them to build automations. And this is allowing us to innovate at scale across the whole organization. Uh, so when I think about that, it means that every person in the organization could be a developer, 
It's a little bit scary for me, having to, to make sure we've got the right framework in place. But it's, it's a tremendous opportunity uh, for everyone. To make it even better, PwC um, has developed a, a product that we call Digital Lab. And so if rather than have somebody doing something off the end of the desk and nobody ever benefiting from it, here's a way you can share. Right now, with, with everyone in your country, but right now you can share across Canada um, something that people may have done. So we have, a, we have a curation process and we've also built gamification into this solution. So there's a reward if you come up with uh, a digital asset or if you use a digital asset, you'll get some points and points mean prizes and recognition. And, and in Canada, we actually just added something we're calling the digital marketplace, where if you have a, if you have a problem you want automated, but maybe you don't have the skills to do it yourself, you go, you, you, you define the problem, and the people who are the builders will come in and maybe they can pick something and say, hey, let me help you with that. And then you can share the rewards between the person who has the ideas and the builder. So we've been using this um, internally, this, this digital lab, for about a year. And I know that PwC is looking to launch that um, as a product soon. I think they're going to call it Digital On Demand. I think that's an absolutely fan- fantastic idea in terms of the the digital lab there. I when I'm sort of looking back to my my my, my days at the big four, I know that you know sh- sharing those sort of insights, sharing models or macros, etc., was always done on an informal basis, but hugely valuable. But actually, creating some kind of structure around that to be able to share those best best practices and innovations is really really key. And then also that citizen led approach there around education. I think is very, very important because that question of, often comes up. And it always reminds me of the fact that, you know, digital trans- transformation is really about re-envisioning and driving change in how a company operates. But that's fundamentally a management and people change, not just a technology one. So it's great to see that you're talking about technology as being an enabler, but actually focusing on the people and how they can leverage and use that, which is absolutely fantastic. I guess looking at another piece of emerging tech there and still on the topic of automation, I guess, um, and that is blockchain. So blockchain is sometimes um, viewed in an uneasy light, uh, but can you tell us a bit more about the process and the, I guess, the benefits it can bring and how PwC is working with it specifically? Okay, I think there's definitely a growing interest in blockchain and a lot of focus and speculation on cryptocurrency. So the technology is very smart, and I can see many benefits. But I think currently, currently, it's more about the technology than the actual business benefits. We haven't quite got there yet. And I also think a lot of people cannot tell the difference between Bitcoin and blockchain. So Bitcoin is this digital or cryptocurrency, but it relies on blockchain technology. I know, I know there was headlines when PwC first accepted a payment via Bitcoin a number of years ago. I still think there's more more to go before um, Bitcoin or cryptocurrency replaces cash or credit. Although apparently now you can buy your new Tesla with Bitcoin. Um, so I think blockchain, blockchain does have an exciting future. And I think it is actually relevant for the accountancy profession. Uh, it, it could be the future for accounting and record keeping. And I think auditing is transforming and will likely look different in the future. And I think for blockchain, it may involve more technology training than just accounting training. So I think that's going to be an interesting evolution. So as auditors, we have to embrace the power of the technology and understand how it can enhance the audit process from both 
an efficiency and effective perspective, effectiveness perspective. So one, one, I think one current challenge for auditors is how do we verify the client balances held in a currency built on blockchain? I'm mentioning Tesla again. They recently announced they'd purchased a billion US dollars worth of Bitcoin. So it might be easy for auditors to value cryptocurrencies, generally it's published, but how can they validate ownership of, of electronic currency? So PwC in Canada, we've been in the vanguard, we've worked with PwC Switzerland, and in the development and operation of an application that we're calling Halo, and it provides independent, substantive evidence of the private key and public address pairing, and that's needed to establish the ownership of cryptocurrency. So that, that's where I think we've, we've really made big inroads. In Halo, our application securely interrogates the blockchain to independently and reliably gather corroborating information about the blockchain transactions and balances. So our, our application is able to um, support clients that are transacting in a number of currencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Tezos, and Ripple, uh, and a few others. But I think that that is um, something that's going to be evolving more and more as we go forward. Thank you for your insights there, Craig. Um, I, I completely resonate with some of your earlier statements there around, I guess, a lack of education or the, or the need for education in terms of disentangling Bitcoin and, and as a cryptocurrency and actually the blockchain technology um, in itself. And coming back to some of the points you made there around, you know, the potential use cases or opportunities for, for audit. Um, I know a lot of people talk about, you know, the days of sample-based substantive testing being challenged and you know, auditors could soon be able to leverage blockchain technology to test the whole population of transactions within a period rather than a sample, um, which could, you know, drastically improve the insurance again from, from audit engagements as well. So it seems like there's a huge, huge number of opportunities there yet to be yet to be explored and, and fully realized. Looking forward and looking ahead then, Craig, in your opinion, what are some of the key trends you're expecting to see emerging in the digital landscape over the next few years? Okay. Um, when I think about the future and digital and accountancy profession, I'm going to come back to talk about cloud and data. But PwC, we've got a list of the call the essential eight. So I'd just like to run through that. And these are the eight technologies that they believe are evolving and will come together at some point in the future to change our world. Maybe not directly the accountancy world, but the world in general. Um, I think this is longer term, it's still emerging, but, but definitely worth mentioning the items on the list. On, on the eight, on the list, we, our first one is artificial intelligence, and we talked about that already. We have augmented reality, blockchain, which we've talked about also, drones, internet of things, Robotics is on the list, but that's really automation, which we've talked about. Um, virtual reality and then 3D printing. I think some of these technologies need to mature um, before they really will impact the world more and even the, you know, our profession. Um, I've had some good fun road testing some of these technologies over the years. Uh, I found out I'm not a really good drone pilot, um, although I probably need a little bit more practice. And I, I found that I need to work a little bit more in virtual reality. When I had my first extended session, I got motion sickness. It's such an immersive experience. I'm still trying to work out exactly how we'll work that into um, our, our profession in the future. 
So it's sometimes hard to think how these will directly impact the accountancy profession. And I think blockchain is definitely something we just talked about that's going to have an impact. I think automation and artificial intelligence, as we also covered, are, are already having an impact. And we've seen um, other examples. Some of these, like the, um, the drones and the Internet of Things, we've actually seen the use of them in things like inventory counting, review, access to locations that maybe you would not get to quite so easily. So I think there's definitely potential there um, in a number of ways. But, but when I step back and think about the digital landscape and what's happening today and probably the, 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 the medium term, um, we can expect to see uh, a lot more from social media, mobile once we start traveling, cloud and big data all coming together to allow us to engage with our clients in new ways and to gather insights for developing and marketing new new offerings for us to our clients. So I think social media is everywhere and you can join in as much as or as little as you want. But I think it'll become part of the fabric of our client and customer experience. Mobile devices, we're seeing 5G, which is going to deliver more data more quickly. Um, but for me, it's still going back to what I said before for, for the, the profession and, and a lot of what we're doing. I think the bigger shift is going to be in cloud and big data, um, and, and then I, I have blockchain in the future. So the huge uh, shift to cloud uh, has, has already started. Probably most people have had some experience, and, and during the, the last 12 months in the pandemic, probably even more experience. And we're now working in um, PwC Canada to uh, shut down our data center. And so we will move all of our remaining applications and infrastructure into the cloud. Wow. Uh, PwC UK has already moved in that direction. And so we are we are planning to do that, in, I'm hoping, in the next 12 to 15 months. And that's going to mean everything that we do will, will be managed in the cloud. The other, the other part is big data. And I think, I think data is something where we're, we're going to be making a big bet. And I think the organizations will need to think hard about, big, about data. Um, we need to be thinking about big data, not just for our own data, but, but in a lot of our assignments, we may be accessing client data and it may be clients' big data to do analysis to help them work things out. So we need to be thinking about how are we going to um, how are we going to do that? How are we going to receive larger and larger client data sets? How are we going to store them safely? Are we bringing them over the internet? How will we make sure they're encrypted, saved? And once, once we have them, how will we keep them safe, analyze them, and at the right time, destruct the data or anonymize it if we're going to keep it for, if we have permission to keep it for, for secondary use. So I think that we're going to have more and more data. Uh, there's all kinds of statistics out there about the, the volume of data you know, doubling every, every year or two. So I think that's going to be something we're going to have to make sure we can, we can handle. So I think cloud and data are the two immediate things, blockchains coming up next as, as impacts the profession. So when I think about you know, all of this and technology of the future, my, my kind of summary is that the only constant is change. Technology is, all, technology is always changing, and there's always new challenges on the horizon, and that's what makes it so attractive for me. Thanks, Craig, for your insights there around sort of the eight emerging technologies there and also in the medium term around cloud and cloud and data. It reminds me of, a, of, the, uh, of a recent report at MIT in terms of 90% of CEOs believing that the digital economy will impact the industry. 
but less than 15% were executing on their digital strategy. And from, from hearing your thoughts and, and an opinions there, it seems like that's going to become crucially important for businesses in all sectors in terms of embracing the developments of these technologies individually, but also the convergence of them as they start to start to mature. And on a side personal note there as well, I, I took a drone with me for 12 months while I was on a year-long sabbatical and still still amazed that it came back in one piece and I hadn't crashed it. <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, Thank you for the thank you for the time um, today, Craig. It's been hugely insightful um, to hear about your personal journey and also your thoughts around emerging technologies and the, the great work that PwC Canada is doing. Um, I just, if any members wanted to reach out to yourself, um, how could they connect with you? I'm online in a number of different ways. So I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I've got a Twitter account. Um, and was welcome to reach out, and um, they can they can also email me at um, they can do craig.bryce at pwc.com or bryce.craig at pwc.com works too. Fantastic, thanks, Craig. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast show today, and look forward to connecting with you soon.